is a spiritual man? Not a trick question. This is real. Amen. Would you agree that Daniel is a tremendous man of God? Yes, he is. Yes, he was. Uh, a prophet in his own right. A servant of God. Faithful to God. A man who God delivered from the, the jaws of the hungry lions. A man who is blessed in captivity. But listen to what he says in Daniel chapter 9, verse 1. It was the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede, the son of Ahasuerus, who became king of the Babylonians. During the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord. I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord. Of the Lord. Say that with me. I learn from reading the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. As revealed to Jeremiah the prophet, that Jer Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. Can you say amen? God blesses your seated. Amen. Praise God. Amen. God is good. Praise God. There's a lot that I want to bring out of this word of the Lord today. Daniel 9, Daniel 10. Can't read it all. They're very long readings, long prayers that Daniel prays. But it's fascinating to see that this man who, uh, if you go back, just, just scroll back through the book of Daniel, right? Um, I'm just looking at the highlights of the book of Daniel is written. <clears throat> uh, Daniel chapter 1, he enters Nebuchadnezzar's court. He becomes one of the, um, he is one of the captives of, of the, the Hebrews that were brought into captivity. Uh, they renamed Daniel to Belteshazzar. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael was named Meshach. And Azariah was renamed Abednego. We know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Amen. What was their claim to fame? Fire furnace. Refused to bow before the idol. And God delivered them. Amen. Daniel was determined, says verse 8 of chapter 1, he was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. So we, we see how God begins to bless Daniel's faithfulness right at the beginning of his captivity, his servitude in the king's court. Chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar dreams a dream. Uh, his, um, his, his soothsayers could not interpret the dream. The astrologers could not interpret the dream. Daniel interpreted the dream by the grace and mercy of God. Amen. Daniel chapter 3, the gold statue. Um, and while the focus is on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel was faithful to God as well. Uh, Daniel 4, he interprets yet another dream of Nebuchadnezzar, the dream about the tree. Uh, Daniel chapter 5, we see the writing on the wall. 
And who interpreted the writing on the wall? Daniel interpreted the writing, God's handwriting on the wall. Amen. God is the original graffiti artist, if you will. You look at me strangely. God is the original graffiti artist. Amen. He allowed his word to be scribbled on the wall of the king's court in the banquet hall. Amen. And, of course, only Daniel could interpret the words. What were those words? Mini, mini, tikal, ufarsin. You have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Daniel chapter 6, the lion's den. God delivers Daniel from the lion's den. Daniel chapter 7, Daniel now begins to have these visions inspired by the Spirit of God and the revelations that come with these visions, talking about the end time, talking about the days which this world is plunging headlong into as we speak, my friend. Daniel saw these days under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Daniel chapter 8, he sees another vision, a ram and a goat. And he sees the angels talking. He sees the Holy One speaking to each other about these things to come. And in Daniel chapter 9, Daniel says, I decided to read the word of the Lord. What a concept. Amen. Do you need the word of God after you've known the Lord 10 years? 20 years? 30 years? 40 years? 50, 60, 70 years. Do you need the word of God any less than when you first started, my friend? You and I need the word of God. <coughs> Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. If you want to know how to walk, if you want to know where to walk, go to the word of God. The Word of God will shine a spotlight in your life. The Word of God will reveal to you what you may not want to see. We don't like what we see sometimes in the Word of God. We don't like what we see in the mirror of the Word of God. But we need to see what's in the Word of God. Amen. And we need to see how we appear to God. And the Word will show us. I, Daniel learned from reading the word of the Lord. I'm afraid sometimes we read the word just to read the word. And it's great to read the word on this Bible plan where you read enough passages of Scripture each day to read the Bible through in the whole year. Anyone here ever read the Bible all the way through? Oh, come on, I hope more hands than that. <clears throat> it's an accomplishment to read the Bible all the way through. Not easy in some passages. And so and so beget so and so beget so and so and beget so and so and beget so and so and beget so and so. Amen. But it's powerful to read the Word of God. Cover to cover, as I say with my electronic Bible. Amen. From beginning to end of the Word of God. 
It's important. It is vital. The Word of God, we were talking about this yesterday, men's breakfast. I think a lot of gentlemen didn't realize we had a men's breakfast yesterday. Amen. We were talking about this, how the Word of God, Brother Finger, you were talking about that, right? The Word of God gives us perfect instructions how to live our lives and how to stand before the one who will judge us on that final day. Amen. Isn't it ever taken a test? Anyone? Yeah, come on, you have. Yes, you have. Say amen. Praise God. How many times did you have the answers to the test before you took the test? Sometimes. Someone's honest. Amen. He's honestly dishonest. Praise God. Amen. (laughs) Most of the time you don't have the answers to the questions, do you? That's why it's called a test. But my friend, God gave us the answers to the test he's going to apply to us. It's right here in his word, amen. All the answers are right there. It's an open book test. If you want to be right with God, the answers are right there in the word of God. Amen. There is no mystery about what you need to do to make it to heaven. No mystery whatsoever. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Amen. Unless you be born of water and of the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven, my friend. The answer's right there. Men and brethren, what shall we do? You want to know what you need to do to be saved? Then Peter said unto them, say with me, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Amen. Someone ought to say hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Follow peace with all men. And What? And what? Only three people know that verse. Come on, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. The answers are right here, my friend, in the Word of God. If you want to know how to have peace with God, the answer's right there. If you want to know how to make peace with your past, the answers are right here. If you want to know how to shake off every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, the answer is right here in the Word of God. Daniel felt the urge to read the Word of the Lord. Now, when Daniel was reading the Word of God, it didn't have 66 books bound in leather or encapsulated in a A nice little app for your phone. There were scriptures, but the scripture was still being written. In fact, as Daniel records these words, he's doing so under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. The scripture says that the prophets of old spake as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. What does that word inspired mean? Someone remember? What? Breathed in. So God breathed these words into the hearts of the prophets, and they recorded what God breathed into them. Wasn't that they had an earbud in listening to God in one ear and writing? No. God breathed it into their soul. 
God breathed it into their minds. He inspired them to write these words. And Daniel, as he wrote these words that we just read, he was doing so under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. Other prophets were being inspired. Jeremiah, what's his name, his, his nickname? Jeremiah? Oh, everyone's asleep. God bless you. He's the weeping prophet. Jeremiah laments about Jerusalem. He laments over Israel. He laments over people turning away from God. He, Jeremiah, the prophet, God revealed to him that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. 70 years is a long time. Did you... When you were young, elder, did you stop and count and say, I wonder how long it will take to reach 70? One day at a time, right? And now, 88 years old, he gets to look back and say those 70 years passed still in a blink, right? Sister, did you think when you were young, did you count how many days till you reached 70? Was it a long time getting there? Seemed like it? And then you look back and it's just gone, right? Just like that. Well, 70 years is a long time. Most people in this room have not lived 70 years yet. Congratulations, happy birthday. Just turned 70. Amen. It's a long time. God told Jeremiah that Jerusalem would lie desolate for 70 years. Jerusalem was and is a special place. Amen. It's the holy city of God. It's the city of peace. That's what Jerusalem means, the city of peace. It's the place where God will reestablish his throne someday on this earth. Can you say amen to that? Yes, God is going to come back after he snatches his church away. He's going to return with us to this earth, and he's going to set foot on the Mount of Olives, and it's going to split wide open, and then he will establish his physical throne in Jerusalem, and he will reign over this earth, amen, for a while, and then this earth will be remade with a melt of the fervent heat, amen. But Jerusalem is a special place, always has been special in God's plan. And uh, those who were exiled, those who uh, lived under this time like Daniel lived in and Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego and all the other exiles, they had been captured by uh, the invading forces that destroyed Israel, that took them captive, that left their homes in ruins. They yearned for the restoration of Jerusalem. And Daniel was troubled when he learned just how long Jerusalem would lie desolate. We don't always like 
what we hear out of this Word of God. We're not always happy when we read this Word of God. We're not always running the aisles and shouting when we read this Word of God. There are things in here that are troubling to our soul. There are things in here that speak to us about judgments. We like to hear revival. We like to hear blessing. We like to hear uh, caught up into heaven. But my friend, there are things in this Word of God that talk to us about judgment for sin. Not just our sin, but the sin of our families, the sin of our cities, the sin of our nation. And God have mercy on this nation. We have accrued so much ungodliness in the United States of America, the judgment of God is going to fall on this nation as it does across the face of this earth. Amen. I'm not breathing down fire and hell and brimstone. I'm not saying, God, destroy this land. My heart hurts for the judgment that's going to come on the United States of America, my friend. We are the ones that are pushing transsexual aberrancies. We are talking about the, 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 the very rebellion that started in the Garden of Eden against the very creator of all things who created man and he created woman and we are arrogant enough to say God made a mistake anyone can be a man anyone can be a woman or 63 other genders that you may want to identify with I'm not transphobic I'm not homophobic I love God I respect God I respect the creator who made us, who defined us, who established us. And my friend, don't go against the word of God. Because if you do, judgment will come. Judgment is coming on this nation for all of the laws that are being passed even as we speak, protecting the so-called rights of the trans world. No, I'm not hating on anybody. I love every soul. I want every soul to be saved. But let me tell you, friend, we've got to call sin what it is. We've got to call righteousness what it is. We've got to make a clear distinction, my friend. There is a reason why Jesus Christ came to this world. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And we live in a lost generation. Judgment will come on this land for abortion. Tens of millions of innocent lives snuffed out because of sin. God's judgment will fall on this nation for greed, for hate, for division for violence and friend we are not exempt from that if our hearts and lives aren't right we're going to feel that taste of judgment as well we need to realize when we read this word of god there are things that aren't going to make us shout and run and dance it's something that should get us to an altar of prayer and begin to cry out to god for mercy on this land i daniel learned 
from reading the word of the Lord. We can learn from this word of God. How many years in the ministry? 55 years in the ministry? You can still learn from this word of God. How many years in the ministry? 21 years you can learn from this word of God. Amen. I'm somewhere in between there. Amen. About 40 years now. Oh, 43 years in the ministry. I'm still learning from this word of God. My friend, you need to learn from this word of God. Learning implies new and better understanding. It may be something you've never heard before or never grasped before. And suddenly it's like a light bulb comes on. It's like, oh, wow, that's what they meant. I've had those aha moments throughout my life where something would click. And it's like I wondered about that for years and never understood whatever that was. And suddenly, poof, it becomes crystal clear just like that. And then you feel kind of silly, like, why didn't I learn that a long time ago? Sometimes the Word of God is that way, friend. Sometimes it just, something comes alive as you're reading it or you're hearing the preaching or the teaching, and boom, just like that, a light bulb comes on. I've told you many times, but I'll tell you again. I remember the day, couldn't tell you the date, but I remember the moment I remember where I was, I can still see everything around me almost crystal clear in my brain. The moment as a six-year-old boy, the Holy Ghost turned a light bulb on in my heart. And I realized at that moment, I'm a sinner. I'd grown up in church. By the time I was six, I heard more sermons than a lot of people here in their lifetime. And I know, six years old is a young age to really come to that kind of a realization with God. But my friend, God revealed to me at that moment that I was a sinner and I needed God. Do you think God loves children? Oh, you better believe. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Don't you dare hold them back. Amen. And I know that children have that innocence and they're born uh, with a, if you're to a child of God, there's a certain level of protection around our children until they come to that age of realization of their own need for God. But my friend, even children need the gospel. Amen. Amen. Just because a, a six-year-old child hadn't had a chance to be a murderer or a thief or whatever else, a sin you want to toss at them. Uh, I was born in sin. I was shapen in iniquity, David said. Amen. We all come into this world needing the grace of God. From the moment we're born, we need the grace of God. And I thank God that he loved me enough. He loved me enough that at six years of age, he turned on a light bulb in my heart and said, you are a sinner and you need me. Hallelujah. 
And friend, that sent me on a quest of seeking God. I, as a six-year-old child, began to seek the face of God. Amen. At seven years of age, I said, I need to be baptized in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I was baptized at the age of seven. It took me till the time I was nine. But friend, I sought God earnestly from those days forward until that day, thank God, that night when he filled me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I learned I needed God. Sometimes it's an understanding that we have that needs to be clearer. Thank God for Ananias and Sapphira. Not Ananias and Sapphira, amen. I'm mixing up Aquila and Priscilla. Almost sounds the same, right? Thank God for Aquila and Priscilla, who had the courage to go up to a preacher. Hey, brother preacher, how are you, man? That was a tremendous sermon you preached, man. But I got a question for you. Have you heard about the new birth in Jesus Christ? I know you're preaching John's baptism. That's a tremendous message you preached about repentance and John's baptism. But brother, I've got to ask you, have you heard about baptism in Jesus' name? Have you heard about the infilling of the Holy Ghost? I want to tell you about something better. There's a better way than what you know about. There's a better way than what you've been preaching about. Hallelujah. And a preacher man got baptized in Jesus' name. A preacher man got the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I learned from reading the word of the Lord. When's the last time you learned something from the word of God? When's the last time you can think back in your mind and say, yeah, I got something from the Word today. I'm afraid sometimes we just go through the motions. I'm not throwing stones at anybody. We're all human beings. We all go through this, come to church and, who preached? Who preached last week? What did they preach about? Oh, Brother Finger. Yeah, he preached the first part last what week. Yeah. yeah, what did he say? Ah, I was there. I know he said some good stuff, but ah. We're humans. Sometimes preachers stop and say, what did I preach last Sunday? Y'all never done that, have you? When's the last time you actually learned something from the Word of God? When's the last time you can think back and say, that spoke to my heart. That opened my eyes. That let me see God more clearly. I'm afraid sometimes it goes a long ways back. 
before we think of something where we really learn. Don't get me wrong. I know we're blessed. I know the word God blesses us and it feeds us. But Appling, what did you have for lunch two weeks ago? Sister Beverly, what did you have for dinner 14 nights ago? No idea. But you ate, right? You ate? Most likely we ate, right? We are so used to consuming nutrition. It's just another lunch. Just another breakfast. Just another dinner. Just another Sunday. Just another Wednesday. Because that's what it is. We're consuming nutrition from the Word of God. And that's not a bad thing. Don't get me wrong. It's a good thing when we are being fed by the Word of the Lord. Amen. It's a good thing. Give us this day our daily bread. That's not just money for groceries, although it includes that. Amen. It's also this daily bread. Amen. Jesus said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. We need to eat and be filled by the Word of God. It's a good thing. But when's the last time you learned something from the Word of God? I guarantee you that if you and I were to approach Daniel chapter 9 with true hunger in our souls, with a thirst that, as David said, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. I didn't just come with a little bit of an appetite. I'm hungry for the Word of God. I'm thirsting for the presence of God. I need God in my life right now. If you and I were to approach Daniel chapter 9 with that same hunger and thirst, you and I would learn something out of this passage of Scripture. Not just an intellectual, oh, that's cool. But it would speak to our soul as only the Word of God can speak to our soul. You see, the Word of God is alive. It is powerful. It's sharper and any two-edged sword. We don't use two-edged swords much, do we? We're probably a little bit more familiar with a surgeon's scalpel than with a two-edged sword. Thank the Lord. I haven't been chopped open by a two-edged sword. Anyone here been chopped open by a sword? Good. How many have felt the surgeon's scalpel at some point in your life? There you go. Amen. If you've ever had a surgical procedure, hopefully you're under anesthesia, but... That scalpel is sharp. It doesn't take long to open somebody up if someone with a scalpel knows what they're doing. Amen. Now, our bodies are not as fragile as we think they are sometimes. They're pretty tough. God made us pretty tough. 
Well, that scalpel can cut down through skin, through fat, through muscle, through flesh, through whatever, and even through bone. Do you just have a bone operated on? I don't know what all they did in your spine, but it took some work to get down into that spine. And they had to lay open the nerve from the bone. And it's amazing how a surgeon can do that. But my friend, the Word of God can do that right here in this room without anesthesia, without an operating theater, without 30 people helping out. The Word of God can go into your heart right now and open up your spirit to God. Hallelujah. You and I need to learn something today from the Word of God. We need God's Word to get into us and lay us wide open in His sight. That's how a surgeon can actually see what needs to be done. When you're getting ready for surgery, they're probably going to take imaging. And they do incredible things with imaging nowadays. It is amazing what you can do with imaging. But my friend, talk to a surgeon. They'll tell you nothing substitutes opening you up. Because now they can see. Now they can see. And friend, God wants to see what's in your heart. Of course He can see. But His Word accomplishes that. It opens us up and lays us open in the eyes of God. And God says, there you go. There's the problem right there. Amen. And it doesn't give you an $8,000 MRI bill to go with it. God bless you. Amen. Praise God. When's the last time you and I learned something from the Word of God? Daniel learned. He didn't like what he heard. Jerusalem is going to be desolate for 70 years. You're kidding me. That long? 70 years? You know, up to this point, Daniel had been praying for the restoration of Jerusalem. That's what got him into problems in the first place with the, the den of lions. What got him sent to the den of lions? Some tell me. Because he prayed three times a day. Did he hide in his closet and pray? He threw open his windows. And how did he pray? He knelt down facing where? Towards Jerusalem. That was the custom. Still is with the Muslims, right? They still, they'll kneel down and, and pray towards Mecca. Israel. In exile, they knelt down and they prayed towards Jerusalem. And Daniel wasn't shy to do that. He said, I don't care if you make a decree. I'm not going to stop praying to my God. Amen. And he would open his windows and he will kneel down and pray towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he would say his prayers. And those prayers included the prayer for the restoration of Jerusalem. And he was praying, I want Jerusalem restored. I want Jerusalem restored. I want Jerusalem restored. I want Jerusalem restored. And then he goes to the Word. He's like, oh, you're kidding me. Here I've been praying, believing God for a restoration of, of Jerusalem. And uh, it's going to be 70 years. What did James say? You... Pray, and you don't get it. Why? Because you, you pray amiss. 
says the old English. Just because you pray doesn't mean that God's a vending machine and you put in a prayer and you choose B12. Boop. And out comes the answer. Amen. When you and I pray, and yes, we do have to pray. First thing is you don't get because you don't ask. But then sometimes we ask and we don't get. Like, but Lord, but I prayed. But Lord, but I, I, I prayed. Daniel was probably at some point saying, but God, but I prayed for the restoration of Jerusalem. It still hasn't happened. I said, Jerusalem is going to be desolate for 70 years. You can ask me three times a day for the rest of your life. I'm not going to change what I said. Jerusalem will be desolate for 70 years. That doesn't seem fair. Ask and you shall receive. Yes, but you have to ask according to the will of God. And if God said Jerusalem is going to be desolate 70 years, guess what? Count the days. 70 years will pass before Jerusalem can be restored. Well, that's depressing. I'll just stop praying for the restoration of Jerusalem. No. There are prayers that need to be prayed even when we know they're going to be deferred and they're answered. That makes sense? I don't want to lose you here. I'm about done, but listen to me. There are prayers that we need to pray even when we know they may not be answered right now. Amen. I'm praying for the coming of the kingdom of God. Amen. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now we have a foretaste of his kingdom. The kingdom of God does not consist of eating and drinking, but of what? Wake up of righteousness, of peace, and of joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. We have a foretaste of the kingdom of God. But friend, I'm praying that the kingdom of God be established in this earth. Hallelujah. I want my God to reign over this world. I want every knee to bow, every tongue to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, why pray for that? It's going to happen anyways. Because God said to pray for it. Why pray for Jerusalem to be restored? It's going to happen. Yeah. But we still need to pray that the will of God be done. Amen. Do you realize that the devil is actively trying to subvert the will of God? Do you realize how hard the devil's fighting to keep you out of heaven? He doesn't have any say in the matter. Do you hear me? The devil has no say in whether you make it to heaven or not. Because your soul is transacted between you and God. 
and he paid the price for your soul. Hallelujah. He has the keys of death and hell in his hand. He is the one who was dead, but behold, he is alive and he lives forevermore. Hallelujah. My Lord Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. And he decides who makes it to heaven or not. So the devil has no say in the matter. But you know what the devil does have? He has influence in the matter. He may not have the say, but he has the influence. And he is working over time trying to keep you out of heaven. If you learn nothing else today, I want you to learn something right now. I want you to learn just how much the devil wants to keep you out of heaven. And he'll tell you through the media, he'll tell you through the schools, he'll tell you through the activists, he'll tell you through Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat and whatever other cesspool of social media is out there. Yes, it is a cesspool. He'll try to change your understanding of what's right in the eyes of God. Daniel's praying. I'm about done, really I am, but, but I want you to learn something today. Daniel prays. I turned to the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I wore rough bur burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. It drove him to prayer. He learned he needed to pray differently. Amen. Sometimes you and I need to learn to tweak and tune our prayers to be more effective in God. Amen. And he begins to pray for the mercies of God. Verse 20, I went on praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, pleading with the Lord my God for Jerusalem, his holy mountain. As I was praying, Gabriel. We think, when I tell you an angel appearing to Daniel in his prayers, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? What instance was that? Come on. When I ask you about an angel appearing to Daniel and telling him what? Your prayers were heard, yes. And what happened? Come on, wake up. Prayers were delayed. The answer was delayed. Why? An evil spirit fought against him. Good. That's where we normally think of when we talk about Daniel and his prayers. You know where that happened? Chapter 10. The next chapter. We're in chapter 9 still. Daniel had a prayer life, my friend, that touched the throne room of God. And a lot of people in the scriptures have had angels minister to them. I say a lot, a select few, but quite a few in scriptures have had angels minister to them. How many have had archangels routinely answer prayers on behalf of God? Archangels being 
the chief of the princes. Daniel had such a prayer connection with God that it wasn't just angels that appeared to him. It was archangels that appeared with the answer from God. Gabriel is known for what? Pardon me? Who appeared to Mary? As a messenger of God. We think of Gabriel announcing the birth of Messiah, do we not? Same Gabriel. Same archangel. Appears to Daniel. As I was praying, Gabriel, whom I had seen in the earlier vision, came swiftly to me at the time of the evening sacrifice. Can God minister to us with angels? Yes, he can. Amen. You know what? I prefer for the Holy Ghost to minister directly to me. But if God wants to send an angel, praise God. Amen. Many have, some have, entertained angels unaware. You and I have no idea how many times we may or may not have interacted with angels in this world. God knows. Gabriel came to me swiftly at the time of the evening sacrifice. He explained to me, Daniel, I have come here to give you insight and understanding. That's verse 22 of Daniel 9. I came here to give you insight and understanding. Do you think that's a pretty good definition of learning something? You and I need to learn something from God today. Amen. Amen. You and I need to learn something out of this time that we've been in this house here right now. And God can do it through His Word as we see at the beginning of the chapter. He was reading the Word. He learned. And now God sends a messenger and He gives him insight and understanding. Now, I'm not going to get off into deep theology here, but let me ask you, who are the angels of the churches today? According to the book. Revelation. There were seven churches that were written to in the book of Revelation. And the angels of the churches, most agree that those are the pastors who are referred to as the angels of the churches. We perform today the job of messengers to the kingdom of God. Amen. No, I don't have wings. Praise God. I don't have a halo. But I am a messenger today, just like Gabriel was a messenger to Daniel that day. You need to hear the word of the Lord. I came to give you insight and understanding. The moment you began praying. When does God start working on our behalf? Amen. Okay, Lord, now you can work. What does a man say to us? I think sometimes when a man means, okay, Lord, I'm done talking, now you can start working. From the moment you begin praying, 
God doesn't have to listen to our whole prayer before he says, oh, you need some help? I thank God, Sister Leslie is back home. I don't want to over-dramatize. Sister Leslie came very close to death this week. She is in the hospital with major sepsis. Infections attacking her organs. They were afraid she was losing a kidney. Am I right? That lady was very, very ill. Prayers began to be prayed. I went by on a Thursday evening, this past Thursday. Didn't spend a whole long time. Mr. Leslie was not feeling well. She was shivering with a fever and chills. And I just said, let me pray for you. And I prayed a prayer of faith. You know what? I believe God began to work healing in Leslie's life. The moment I began to pray. Not at the end when I say in Jesus' name, amen. The moment we began to pray, God begins to work on our behalf. Hallelujah. Friend, that ought to get you praying sooner rather than later. Amen. The quicker you start praying, the quicker God starts acting. Hallelujah. The moment you began praying, verse 23 says, a command was given. And I, now I am here to tell you what it was. Oh, thank God. Friend, when you began to pray, God issues commands. When God issues commands, things happen. Gabriel said, I was sent to tell you what the command was because the heavens already know, but you don't know. So God sent me to tell you what command he gave on your behalf. Now I am here to tell you what it was for you, you, you are very precious to God. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. We know God loves us, right? But do you realize how precious you are in the eyes of God? I hope you're learning something right now. I want you to understand, you are not just loved. You are precious to God. Chapter 10, he sees another angel, again, who comes with a message from God. This angel is actually unidentified, but he is... He said, I came to help Michael fight. When an archangel needs help, you know somebody powerful has to help out. Verse 18, the one who looked like a man touched me and I felt my strength returning. Don't be afraid, he said, for you are very precious.
peace. Be encouraged. Be strong. Stand in faith. I could talk to you about the angels themselves. It's a fascinating study. We don't know a lot about angels. We know from these chapters 9 and 10 of Daniel that Gabriel came as a messenger. This other unidentified angel speaks in Daniel 10, verse 12. He says, don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you began to pray for understanding, to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer, but for 21 days the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, vice versa, amen, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. The devil is fighting to keep you and me out of heaven, my friends. Amen. I started with that. I want to end with that and remind you the devil is doing everything he can to keep you and me out of heaven. Man, why would the devil even care about me? Who am I? I'm just another Christian. There are millions, tens of millions of Christians around the world today calling on the name of the Lord. Why would he pick on me? Because you and I are precious to God. Amen. Why am I so precious? I don't know why he loves any of us the way he does, my friend. I really don't know. I could talk about gifts. I could talk about things that we accomplish in the kingdom of God. But all of that means nothing when you measure up a fact that we are sinful human beings. I've got some superstars on my team at work. Hope they don't ever listen to this because I'm going to be blunt for a minute. Amen. They're super smart, super effective people. And they know it. But my friend, the fact that they're smart doesn't change the fact that they're also arrogant. And they're also prima donnas. And they're also unwilling to do what it takes for the company to succeed. Just because you do a lot in the kingdom of God, my friend, does not overrule the fact that your spirit may be wrong in the eyes of God. Amen. So I'm not here to try to compare and say, oh, well, Paul, oh, what a man of God he was. And I'm nothing. God, his word says that when we compare ourselves amongst ourselves, we're fools. I can't tell you why he loves you as much as he loves you. But he does. I can't tell you why you're so precious in the eyes of God. But you are. I can't tell you what makes any of us mean so much to him that he was willing to die for you and for me. Something made us precious in the eyes of God. And you need to understand that when you pray, he hears you. He listens. You mean something. 
And the devil resents that. The devil is trying to get rid of you. He's trying to get rid of your relationship with God. He's trying to drag you out with the things of this world. He's trying to distract you. He's trying to depress you. He's trying to overwhelm you with the noise of life. And he's going to pull at you every way that he can. He's going to pull through health. He's going to pull through family. He's going to pull at your job. He's going to pull at your finances. He's going to pull at everything he can to get you to loosen your grip on God. My God loves you, my friend. He loves you enough to send his archangels to fight for you. Hallelujah. You read that chapter, this unnamed angel speaks of Michael fighting against the spirit, uh, spirit prince of Persia. He talks about uh, the, the spirit prince of Greece that's going to come and fight against Michael. He said, I got to get back and help him fight some more. Friend, there is a spiritual warfare that we have no clue is going on, but it's all about the church and it's all about you and me. The devil wants to destroy us, but God is determined to take us into heaven hallelujah and i hope you learned something today i hope you were your eyes were open just a little bit more to understand you are precious in the eyes of god and if you understand that then you'll understand that the word of god is not meant to tear you down it's meant to Build you up. Amen. It's meant to bring you to an altar prayer, yes, but not just so that you just feel all trampled upon and, and torn down and, and poured out. My friend, there's a time and a place to pour in our souls in prayer, but it's never to destroy us. It's to make us stronger in God. Amen. God is nothing in the Word of God is intended to disparage us, to demean us, to tear us down. Whatever He does, is meant to build us up. Amen. And he does it because he loves us so much. Friend, if you realize, if you can open your eyes and just see for just a moment how much he loves you, that ought to bring you to an altar of prayer. Call on his name today. Amen. Coming up here, it helps us just to get out of our seats. Praying is not just, oh, let's do five minutes and then we can go home and eat. If you've felt the touch of God in your heart right now, I urge you, come and just for a few minutes talk to God about how much he loves you, how much he cares for you, how much he sees if he sees the swallow that falls to the ground. He sees you and I when we have our troubles. If he counts the hairs on our head, he knows everything that detail about us. He knows our needs, my friend. And he, that's why the apostle wrote, My God then shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. I want you to pray for just a moment. Will you connect with God, understanding as you do now that you are precious in his eyes? Read the word. The word says you need to talk to God. You need to pray some more. Let's talk to God for a moment. Let's tell him our needs.
And let's ask him for that protection from the enemy that's trying to snatch us away from God, friend. I need the help of God. Amen. I need the protection of God. You need the protection of God. We can ask for it today. These altars are open. Come on now.